Welcome, everybody, to episode 57 of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. You see the two Anthonys. We'll get to them in a moment. Let me tell you about Bet Parks and the Bet Parks app. It's fantastic. Now's a good time to navigate the app using baseball, player performances, same game parlays, live in game betting, your standard uh, parlays you could do, money line, props, you name it. It's all there on the Bet Parks app. So make sure you download it, make sure you check it out, get used to it, because coming up, you've got the football season, college and pro. Uh, hockey around the corner, kind of, 83 days, I think. And then also you've got, uh, obviously, Hoops College and Pro coming as well. And you can get in on the baseball action. Also, tennis, golf, you name it. It's there for Formula One as well, as well, which I tend to dip into. Uh, so download the Bet Parks app today. You get a free $750 risk-free bet just for using the promo code JASON750. Up to $750 for new and existing users. Terms and conditions do apply. So make sure you download the Bet Parks app today. And uh, you do need to be present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. And there we got, we got the dueling ants on the program today. In your top right box, in the Brady Bunch box, we've got Greg Brady. No, we've got <laughs> Anthony DeMarco from the fourth period.com. And down below, we've got Anthony Sanfilippo. What is going on, boys? What's up? Can you hear me okay? You sound yeah. good. Good. I got you loud and clear. I got I actually, you loud and no, clear. I was worried because I accidentally unplugged my mic while Jason was doing his read. And I was like, oh, no. I hope I don't have to, like, reselect something here. But you should have <laughs> You, you, you got to un, unplug your headphones so you don't have to hear me. That's more apropos. No, yeah. But that wouldn't have been uh, accidental. That would have been on purpose. Yeah, that would have been you know intentional. <laughs> um, real quick, there's a lot to get to. We have some actually some Twitter questions I want to get to as well. Um, and there's a lot to talk about from what has happened, what is coming up, what's next, and you know perceptions and realities and all of those things. But we were talking before we came live on here because Anthony DeMarco figures he's in Montreal and he's the one to break the news to me that the Sixers are trying to build a new arena downtown. <laughs> and I, I did some digging on it and I see that they want to build a stadium for Sixers basketball at it's basically 11th and market market East is what they're calling it. And I would, I don't go to Sixers games. I do 82 hockey games here. Plenty, but Ant San Filippo, I mean, that sounds like a nightmare to me. That sounds like a deterrent to go to a game to me, yeah, coming well, from the suburbs especially. All right, let's 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 put it together, right? Not only do you have to you have center city rush hour traffic, and then you have twenty thousand people driving into it that's that maybe weren't in town, maybe were coming from elsewhere. Um, there's gonna be a parking conundrum because there's even if you build um you know, parking garages, which is what would be, a th I guess, what they would have to do. Um, you're still looking at a pain in the ass to get in and out uh, each way because there's only so many cars that can go in and out at a time. Um, and then you're sticking it smack dab in a part of the city that really is not the rest of the sports complex. So there is no crossover appeal. You're not getting the advantage of Xfinity Live or the casino. Um, there's a lot of things lost there. And finally, and maybe more than more importantly to the to the consumer than anything else, the fact that they're building this without taxpayer dollars, which is what their plan is, only means that 
you're going to get a, a significant increase in your ticket sales. Yeah. I mean, it's already expensive enough to go to the Sixers as it is, but now you're going to get a significant increase on it as well. I, I just think it's a, I just think it's a bad idea all around. Um, I get that they don't like being a tenant at the, at the Wells Fargo center. Um, you know, that's, that's they own the of, Prudential center. They own the devils yeah. and they own the Prudential center. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to pay rent. I get it. But at the same time, if you're going to build a new building, if you're really hell bent on having your own place, why not put it where the rest of the stadiums are? Yeah. Just put it down. There's plenty of room. They could put another stadium down there without an issue. And put the other there. part is suburban people with what's going on in the city right now, over 300 homicides. I mean, they're not going to go in. Not going to go in. I'm not. I mean, there was a rape and a murder at Market East in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, tra- I'm not traveling that train right now. I, I lived in Old City for eight years, mm-hmm. which is I basically lived 10 blocks Right off Mark, I lived there between Market and Arch on Front Street. Yep, and I could have walked there, but I wouldn't walk there now. <laughs> How about that? Well, it's, it's crazy, and I'm not getting on the L. I'm not doing it. I think it's a horrible idea, but you know, these people with all the money and the research, I guess they, they want to do it. But um, I, I prefer the sports complex, which is easy to get to off 95 and 76. Yeah, there's traffic issues, but that's what happens when you have a big sporting event, mm-hmm. which leads us to the Flyers and attendance. Let's start there since we're kind of talking about attendance. You know, in, in light of what happened, what didn't happen this offseason, let's get right into this. Uh, Anthony Sanfilippo, what are you hearing in regards to ticket sales, renewals, and all of that stuff? Well, ticket sales are... are- renewals are lowest that they've ever been. Um, and then there were season ticket holders who tried to get out of their obligation uh, on free agency day when the flyers didn't do anything. I mean, they tried, they were calling and saying, you know, take my tickets. I don't want them. Um, but unfortunately, That's the emotional reaction of yeah. the situation. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, the, the flyers have already you know deposited that check back in February and March. So the, the odds of getting that money back are incredibly long. Um, but at the same time, I mean, they were calling left, right, and center. Like there are people who are just fed up; they don't want to deal with it anymore. And, and how can you blame them? I mean, you go through ten years of mediocrity, and you know, then you think, well, we could be better than what we are if we just did X, Y, Z. And then they can't do X, Y, Z because they're incompetent. It's just, it just frustrates the hell out of you, you know, when you when you when you think about it. I mean, it's just. They could be this team, like you know. I think we talked. Anthony and I talked about this offline. This team could be a decent team. And what I mean by decent, I mean they could be a team that, you know, if things go right, they you know fall into the playoffs and and uh, you know it's the tournament's always wide open to everybody. So who knows what happens there? Um, or maybe they don't. Maybe they don't get that far. But maybe you mean it's currently do, constructed, Ant? Yeah. Maybe maybe what they do is maybe well they're missing on left wings. That's what they don't have. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, even if they don't, even if they're, if even if they're just a hard nosed competitive team and, and they don't, and they just missed the playoffs, maybe finished nine or 10 in, in the conference, like that's better than where they were. And like, I look at that as marked improvement. Um, yeah, I know that you're a running foundational out of time. step. Is yeah. You're, you're running out of time for some guys. I get it. You know, you want to win when they, when, when they're in their primes and, but at the same time, if you're going to be a couple years late on that too, 
that's not the end of the world. And, and it's if you're going, but the problem that this team had is Jay. They never said they were retooling. They, I mean, they, they, I mean, uh, rebuilding. They just said they were retooling. And all along, that's what we thought was going to happen, and it didn't. Yeah, so I, th- this is a crisis of messaging. Yeah, it, it, for I think that's the big thing. You know, I, I say this all the time. I, I must have said this when I was doing my daily radio show a thousand times. The way to maintain sanity as a sports fan is by controlling expectations. And, you know, hearing aggressive retool and all those terms that we've now at this point have reiterated ad nauseum has, you know, set the stage that they thought, okay, aggressive retool, that's Johnny Gaudreau. That's going out and making a big splash. We heard, quote, high-end talent from both Chuck and Danny Briere. But Anthony DeMarco, you know, I texted you the other day and I said, have you listened to 32 Thoughts yet? This was last Friday. And then you went back and listened to it as well. And what Freach had to say, I thought was so interesting. And I posted it. I did a, a quick stream to get the audio out there. But he said he was too chicken to report, even though he had heard from several people that the Flyers were not in on Gaudreau, primarily because they were 40 points out of a playoff spot last year. Right. the cap situation, the price to move James Van Riemsdyk and money and dealing from a position of weakness in any kind of trade that you make, whether it's a hockey trade or a salary dump. And because we've been conditioned as Flyers fans, when the big shiny toys out there, Flyers are always in the mix. They go get it from pre-salary cap and Clark to Holmgren, not the Hextall. But <laughs> but but a, a team that, you know, went out there and when there was a big name out there, went and got it. And then you have this situation, local guy coming off 114, 115 point season plus 60 wants to come home and you don't have the cap space to make it happen. Gaudreau said on Spitting Chicklets that they he knew for a couple of weeks that they weren't in position to talk. I think, he was, it, I think he was being kind. I think he was too. But, you know, that notion and that expectation that's been ingrained in Flyer fans to be in on this and then it doesn't happen. And it, now it's all of a sudden you lost something you never had. And that's part of the equation as well. Yeah, well, Jay, do you remember the day of free agency? I sent you a screenshot of a text I got. Like I blurred out the rest of the conversation, the name, but I sent yeah. you the screenshot and it said we were never in on him. And that was at yeah. 12.05. And again, like when Freed said that, like I kind of concur, like how are you supposed to report something like, yeah, the Flyers were never in on him? Because you eventually did think that they were going to bite the bullet and move JVR. I texted you, Jay, and I texted about it. I thought that at the end of the day, when push came to shove and the rubber met the road, they were going to just pay the piper because the optics were so bad. And, you know, we all know they like Johnny Gaudreau. If they could have made it exactly, yeah. they wanted to make it work. But at the same time, I had been getting the feeling when I was talking to people over the, the weeks leading up to the free agency and the draft that I think they were realizing that like, they just didn't have enough money to go around. And again, like, I think that that's not, that's more of, self-inflicted because it seemed like they were relying on solely dumping JVR when like, let's, let's look at a guy like Travis Konechny, in my opinion, 
I, he's not a guy that I would have, let's say, given away for pennies on the dollar or maybe been actively shopping. But I was kind of told that they never really like seriously entertained trade trading the guy. And I understand you want to see him and Provorov and maybe like a Morgan Frost get a you know a clean slate under John Tortorella. And but I just value exactly. But like, let's say you had traded Travis Konechny for assets first round pick and a third round pick, let's say, or like maybe something that wasn't quite up to par and you had made that cap space available before free agency. I think it would have been maybe a bit easier to dump a JVR because now teams know that you're not up against it and you don't completely have to dump JVR to do anything. You're just trying to do it as kind of a luxury and maybe that would have lowered the cost. Now, Again, do am I happy that they didn't trade Travis Konechny? In some way, yeah, because like you said, I think that you're he's going to have a better season. I think that under John Tortorella, you will up his trade value if you eventually do want to move him. But I just thought that there were more there were more ways to go about liberating cap space than just trying to dump JVR for a draft pick. And I think that had you found an additional way, you could have been sitting here you know, on free agency with JVR's cap hit and maybe Travis Konechny's cap hit. And if you open up $12.5 million, then you can sign Johnny Gaudreau and then maybe add like a veteran like Paul Stashney. Or I saw, you know, Nito Niederreiter get signed for $2 million a year today. I thought that was a brilliant Jan Ruda. A Jan Ruda, like an upgrade. Instead of D'Angelo or, yeah. Yeah, and it, I just felt that like they could have done more creative things to liberate that cap space that in turn probably would have brought the price down on JVR. Like I could like I can't say this for certain and at maybe you could speak to this is that I think today if they want to trade JVR it would probably be lower because teams know that they're not up against it desperately trying to move money for Johnny Gaudreau. Agreed. Yeah, no you're right. You're, you're the urgency there's gone. There's definitely a better market for any player in the off season than there is in season. Just there just is inherently right. That's just that's just a natural thing. So yeah, I mean, I, um, yeah, I, I just I just get befuddled by the sequence of events, and I know we've talked about this. And I don't want to beat a dead horse, but the sequence of events of how this all kind of took place, and what came down and what didn't come down, and then I get you know a message last night that. And I haven't put this out yet, so maybe this is like breaking news. Breaking news. Well, hold on a um, second. Let's go to the situation room here. (laughs) Tom Brogar, your nightly news. news. No. um, uh, So they apparently have interest in Matthew Kachuk. Point is, is that I was told he, there, you know, Chuck is uh, going out, you know, going to talk to them, going to see if they have a, can put together a package that makes sense. Um, I don't see that they can. Um, unless you're talking about giving up on the guys you just drafted, um, that would probably be uh, the path forward to get a, to get, you know, a player like Kachuk. Um, but then you also have to sign him for, you know, 10, 11 million, whatever 11 million. he's going to want. I, I don't know. Can, can they do that? Like, I don't see how they can do it. So even though I was told that they're going to be quote unquote in on it, I don't think that they're a big participatory player. I think they're more of a, you know, uh, you know, they're fishing in the in the shallow end of the lake, and one of the fish actually pulls the line, you know, a little bit too far. I mean, that's kind of what what this conversation is in my mind. Well, well let me ask you this: 
what does Calgary want in return for Kachuk? He's obviously an RFA and needs to be extended, and they'll allow him to talk to other teams about extension because that behooves them to do it. Because if he extends, the return they get is much more significant than the unknown of just getting a player for a year. So it behooves them to go, okay, you can talk to his agent. If you can come up with an extension, then we're going to get a better package in return. But what is Calgary looking for? Mind you, they just lost Gaudreau, 115 points. Now they could be losing Kachuk, and he already told them he's not signing there long-term. Another 104 points. Two-thirds of their top line is going is is out of there. So what are they looking for? Are they looking for NHL players? Are they looking for prospects? Are they going to have to enter a rebuild because of the loss of Gaudreau and the loss of Kachuk and try and find players to play with Lindholm? I mean, what do they want in return for Kachuk? If they want players... Then you, then you can clear cap space by what you send there. So if you sent, hypothetically, Travis Konechny, who I know they like, if you sent either Sanheim or Provorov, if they're leery of Sanheim because he's about to be a UFA and he could jettison as well, then oh, and he's a Manitoba guy, but okay, then you can go, oh, if you want to go Cam York, okay. You know, you look at the situation, they could send a good package along with the good pick, but would you include if, again, if Kachuk would extend that 2023 first round pick, if you knew Kachuk would extend? I don't know how you can say no. Yeah, no. I, I like if engine on the extension. Yeah, no, obviously you can't trade for him if he's not going to extend. But like, if I'm looking at it from the Calgary point of view, like Sanheim, obviously they like. He's a Western Canadian kid. He played for the Hitmen, so that would check a lot of boxes. He probably yep. wouldn't want out in a couple of years. It's just like I look at the left side of their defense and I see Noah Hannafin, who, you know, was drafted 2015, Valamaki, Shillington, Zadorov could play either side, but primarily the left. I'm saying, like, I'm not sure if they're going to want to go defense. If I'm Calgary, personally, I'm not saying the Flyers give this up. I'm asking for Farabee and Connecting. That's what I would do. And the because pick. And a pick. Because for them, I'm saying they can enter a rebuild. You have Jacob Markson blocked in for another six years. You have a fairly young defense. You have an overall very good defense. And the only like older guy is Chris Tanev. You still have Elias Lindholm. You still have Michael Backlund. You still have um, Tyler Toffoli. Like, I don't think that you can pivot and go into a rebuild. I so if I'm... So if I'm Calgary, I'm saying I'm looking for two younger in-house replace or new replacements for Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau. Now, would the Flyers give up Farabee and Travis Konechny in a trade? I doubt it. I would, personally, if it I was. Because Travis Konechny to me, and this isn't me taking a slight on the player. I actually think that, you know, if you put him on a top line, he does have like a 60 to 70 point ceiling. But as a standalone player, he's just a very good second liner. He's a very good second line player. And the Flyers organizationally have a ton of depth on the right wing. You have Owen Tippett. You have Cam Atkinson. You have Bobby Brink. You have Wade Allison. Tyson Forster. Like the list goes on and on and on and on and on. I think Noah Cates can play both wings. And Joel Farabee, I like him. That would really suck to give up. But like, what is Joel Farabee's ceiling? Honestly, if we're being honest here, is he anywhere near score 55 points? Yeah. And again, I just think that the Flyers have a a ton of that. 
Now, maybe you could put in a contingency that you could protect the pick, but like, you know, I, I tried to think of ways around it that like, oh, maybe you could do like, you know, Forster and Konechny for and a first round pick. But like, I just look at what other teams might offer. And obviously St. Louis is the leading favorite for obvious reasons. It's dad, this, that, the other thing he's from there. And I say, if they're putting a package together around Jake neighbors and Jordan Cairo, how are you going to stand up to that with Travis Konechny and Tyson Forster? And the other thing about this is, is that because of what's happened in Calgary, they're sitting on like 18 and a half million dollars in cap space. Like they're sitting on a lot of salaries. So like, let's just say in a hypothetical scenario, it wasn't Joel Farabee and you find a way to put it like Konechny and Forster and you add in more prospects instead of dumping Joel Farabee. I wonder if you stack it up enough, they're able to take on a JVR for a year because they do have so much salary and And this is and can score. So I think that I, in again, this is all speculation based because I pretty much just broke the news. I think that Calgary would be wanting something around Farabee and Konechny, but I would obviously try and hold on to Farabee for obvious reasons. And how serious is the interest? Well, I, I think that they're interested. I mean, who wouldn't be? Why wouldn't you? You know, why would you? I mean, he's the face know. of the organization. Yeah, if you, I if mean, you get him you're talking about a, and and you want to talk about a player's style who would fit here. You know, the fans would adore Matthew Kachuk. Absolutely adore him. Oh, um, he'd be a rock star. <laughs> yeah, he would be, and and that would be and that would be cool. But at the same time, like you had six months to get something together for to make the big push at the deadline and didn't do anything. And, you know, now, now you look at it and say, okay, you know, well, we can, maybe we can get this done in a week. Cause that's the, they're saying the trade's going to take a week. Maybe Chuck's better when he doesn't have time to think. Maybe he makes trades better <laughs> when it's just meet the guy at the bar and 15 minutes Some people later are like that. Yeah. Maybe, he's, maybe he's better that way. I mean, that's how the Atkinson and, and, and Voracek deal happened. Yeah. I mean, boom, 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 quick. When you think about it, like go back through his trades. I don't think that they're all that bad, right? I mean, there. I mean, there's one or two you sit there and go, yeah, well, not great. But I think that he's got he's done a decent job with transactions, and I think he's done a decent job drafting. It's a ma- it's the matter of putting the team together in a proper way at the proper time, uh, or at least on the path to that, based off of their age average age, and take it from there. The, but the Phillies don't want to address that. They don't want to, they don't want people to think that that's what's going on. And that's the issue right now. And that's why it's, you know, it's uber secretive and nobody um, nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to jinx the situation and whatever. That's it. No basketball, you know, it's no basketball team soon in the building. And then they have, you know, they're not drawing anybody. I mean, it, you know, there's concerns there and they want to put somebody in the seat. So uh, I, I just think Could it's you- – I think. It's worth trying, see, but I don't think that I don't, I don't think there's anything that's going to end up. Could happening. you see the edict coming down to go, at all cost almost get a guy like Matthew? Because this is rare. Like Debrinket was rare, but there was that risk that he could walk in two years. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't think it makes sense. The same risk applies here to Kachuk, but you're not making a deal without an extension. So that's the difference. Like you can't talk extension with Debrinket yet yeah. because he has to go through one more year. 
So you can't do it with that, knowing that you can extend him beyond that. But with Kachuk, you can. But, I mean, to me, this is a rare opportunity to grab a guy. I mean, what if they talked about, what did they do in the draft? They got bigger. They want to be tougher to play against. Is there a player in the league that can put up 100 points, be tougher to play against, be an agitator that would fit the DNA and mold of this city more than Matthew Kachuk? Well, that's kind of like what I was thinking about because when the talks about Alex Dabrinka came up, I do think that those were a little bit overblown, but I was saying like, okay, yeah, you want a 40 goal scorer. You want a guy who's 24. You want someone who's that dynamic. But like, again, it felt kind of forced because of his contract situation because of the fact that they wanted a first round pick and the Flyers kind of weren't in a position to do that. And because again, he is a right winger. It's your deepest position. He is a smaller guy. So the fit was there, but I thought like I had to be sold on it a bit with Johnny Gaudreau, you know, Jay and I had talked about a lot is that it kind of felt like you were forcing it because again, he is a smaller guy. It would have made a ton of sense from an optics point of view and high intel and all that. But, like, did you want to lock in, you know, nine and a half, ten million dollars for a 28 year old again when you already have a Haze and a Katori locked up long term? But in Kachuk's case, it's like there's no convincing that has to be made. It just makes all the sense in the world because really Calgary's nice. in a position, unlike uh, Chicago is, where they're not looking to tear it down, they want players in the here and now. So, like, in Chicago's place, they probably would have had zero interest in a Travis Konechny or probably a Joel Farabee. But now you get a, a team that would want those types of guys. A top, uh, a top six left wing, a top, li- uh, top line right wing who have some good cost certainty. That's another thing. You know, for a team like Calgary that's losing all these players, you have an opportunity in a hypothetical trade that you're bringing two guys in their early to mid-20s who are under contract for three, four, five years. And the other part about this is, Jay, like you said, is that Kachuk checks so many boxes. You know, he's hard to play against. He can score 100 points. He's a leader. Like, there's your next captain, if, you know, personally, maybe not as early as this year, but, you know, rotate, you know, four or five A's for a year and then strap the the A on him. And you're not having to give up too many futures. It's more just like here now assets. Yes, a a first-round pick would almost surely be attached to it, but at that point, it, it, it's a Bedard lottery ticket is what it is. Yeah, that's so it. Because they're not going to take the 2024 pick. No, you, for you're sure. You're going to be in competition. And if St. Louis is offering Cairo, whoever, and blah, blah, Neighbors. blah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, then then you're in a situation where, you know, they're going, I don't want the Florida 2024 pick. That's going to be the 25th, 30th pick in the draft. Yeah. I, we want the 2023 pick. We want the... And their pick, you know, even if they had Kachuk, could be higher than obviously St. Louis's. Yeah, I just think that this is something that there's no selling that needs to be done, at least from my perspective, as opposed to with Debrinkit and Gaudreau, there were like some hidden asterisks. This one, it's just like they don't want a lot of draft capital and we're already past the draft. You're getting a guy who is in that fits the age group for the types of players you're looking for. He's a left wing, which is a very weak position for you organizationally right now. He has leadership qualities. He can score. He can hit. He's tough to play against. You know, he, you know, he's American, which does help, but so are the other two guys. 
I don't know, for me, like this, out of all the three options of high-end talent that have been made available this summer, this guy is far and away the best option for them. Yeah, because he's 24. And the other part of it, too, is, you know, you look at it and you go, you know, people will say, well, can he score 104 points here? Hmm. Well, you put him, if Sean Couturier is Sean Couturier, that's Lindholm, (laughs) right? And you put him alongside Lindholm and, and either Cam Atkinson or, you know, you've got yourself a bonafide top line that scares oppositions. No doubt. Yeah, but then what do you have behind that? Yeah, I mean, but look, you need high-end talent. You need depth, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But if if you trade, depth. say you traded a connect me a Provorov and a first round pick, you actually pay the eleven, and you have a little bit of change left over. I'm, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure that's enough. Well, JBR. I mean, no. <laughs> like in all seriousness, I mean, I, I, w- I would think they would have to get rid of two current NHL players, Zamula, two prospects, and and that draft pick. And as yeah. of right now, and connect me. 20, 23 draft pick, not the twenty four draft pick. Well, I again, I, 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 you know, Konechny could be part of it. He may not be. I mean, um, it, it has a situation where um, he was. What, what, what was the deal that the uh, oh, St. Louis? Yeah. What wasn't it? Krug, Cairo, and That's a, number was. one. Yeah, Krug, Cairo, number one. If you're trying to compare that, like, you can sit there and say, okay, yeah, well, we'll go Sanheim, Konechny. And a one. I, I don't know. I just don't think it's the same. I think. What about Faraby? Faraby's got more. Yeah, Faraby gets you a little bit more, I think. But I also think teams would, would be reluctant to trade for Faraby until they can see if he's okay to come back and play from this. I know guys have come back and played um, in the past. Uh, to your point. Yeah, you know. But uh, you know, you know, Jack Eichel got traded without playing. Like you, know, we didn't, we didn't really know. So I mean, I guess it's it's certainly possible. Yeah. Well. Makes too much sense, which means it'll never happen. Yeah, no, and you know, <laughs> you, you you make a good point. Like at the end of the day, I do think that this is probably going to end up in St. Louis. Like I, I just think that that's where. It's I, I don't know, Ant. Really? I mean, they have less than a million dollars in cap space, so they've got to move a lot of money too. So they're in a very similar situation fiscally in this okay. situation to be able to get him. And that's part of the issue. You know, you look at it. I know Dallas is a team that's been mentioned. So maybe Robertson's got to go. Robertson. You know, yeah. Florida, the Panthers, I think, were there, the the Predators. But then Eric Francis of Sportsnet said that that list wasn't accurate. To, like, it, it's, it's very tough to kind of put together a trade package when there's so clearly going to be a bidding war in place. And Anne is right. Like we could come up with our best trade scenario, you know, that we could con- come up with. Let's say it's like Konechny, Sanheim, Forster, uh, Dan Ya, and a first. Let's say something like what Anne brought up. Like, can some other team outbid that? Like, I think at that point you're really gutting your team. But let's just say for funsies, you were able to bring him in. Like, I almost wonder, like at least to start the year. And this is just something I've, I've thought of recently, just because I find that this year is going to be a lot about finding out what a lot of these players are. 
If you brought in a Matthew Kachuk, would you start him 100% with a Sean Couturier or Kevin Hayes? Or would you try him with a Morgan Frost? I think uh, you have to right there with the top. Yeah, you have to start him on the top line. Uh, yeah. Only because they're so bereft of left wing. Yeah, right? that's like, true. Who's going to play left wing on the top line? That's You're putting an inferior left winger so. up there to him. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, mean, I think you put him right next to Couturier. I really do. And then on the right side, if you trade Konechny, let's say hypothetically, you'd probably have Tippett or Atkinson, I would assume. Probably Atkinson would be the guy that I – Yeah, Atkinson would be the guy. Because I got a lot of size there with Couturier and Kachuk, and I can shield Atkinson's size a little bit there as well. That, I mean, that's what I would do. But Anthony Sanfilippo, let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. You know, from an optic standpoint, obviously this offseason – has left a ton to be desired. And Flyer fans are fucking pissed, right? And, you know, you see the thing out there, well, they're they're tanking. They're, they're going to be one of the bottom three teams in the NHL, along with Chicago and Arizona, and that's the Bedard sweepstakes. All said and done, though, if they go to, go to war with what they have, Couturier coming back, Hayes, uh, you know, Farabee's going to miss the start of the season, but will return hopefully at some point and, and work his way in and, and be Joel Farabee and connect me. And he has some sort of resurgence. Same for Provorov. D'Angelo and the power play, maybe that's better. Penalty killings, maybe better. And the structure of tort system, along with Brad Shaw, who I spoke to this morning, all those things. Is this team as doom and gloom from a result standpoint as it feels right now for a lot of the fans because of the disappointment in what played out this off season and the torts factor. Yeah. I mean, look, there, you can, you can, you can kind of play it that way for sure. Um, but I think that the flyers ran out of goodwill in yeah. the past year. I think they just did with the fan base. I don't think the fans are ready to just embrace them again. Like, yeah, okay, everything's fine. Everything's well, winning, winning fixes everything. If you if you get off to a good start and you're winning games, people will come. It's the ultimate deodorant. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, 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 but that's the question. Are, are they a better team? Will they put a better product on the ice simply yes. by, yes. you know, accountability? Yes, and I'm not even certain that it involves accountability, but the answer to that is yes. I think that they might have um, just more talent on paper than they had before. I know you don't win the game on talent alone, but um, I'm not going to say the hockey cliche for that one. Uh, but I do think that there's something to be said for that, that saying that you cannot win on, on strength alone. You need uh, uh, hockey sticks and whatever, whatever the line is. And, you know, it's one of Shiro's inspirational lines. And the Flyers still re- believe in it today. They leave it up on the wall for guys to see and read. I don't know. I, I, I just think that a lot of these younger players tune out authority. But can you tune out John Tortorella? No, I, yeah, I don't think you can tune out Torts, but I think there's a different relationship that exists there with a player and a coach. All right. Well, right. well, let me ask you this. You seem a little morose today. <laughs> <laughs> where are you right now? Where, where is 
all right, I'm, I'm going to, you know, those things you see, you see like a guy's head and then they have, they open up his skull and they see all these like question marks and exclamation points and all this shit. And what's going on in your head? What's going on from right here up? Not your heart, not anything else, not your reporter. Where is your head right now with this team? You want me to go first or you want Anthony? No, I want you to go first. <laughs> You're morose. Um, you seem a little perturbed today. I'm not I'm perturbed. I'm just, it's just to the point where fed it's up. Like, You're fed up. It's, it's, it's just tired. I'm tired of it, right? I'm tired of, I'm tired of the way it's turned out. I'm tired of it being the same nonsense over and over again. I'm tired of there not being a long range plan. That's what bothers me. It seems more of a short range plan. And then they have to fix short range plans with more short range plans and never really take the entirety. Everything of the seems on the fly. Yeah, they don't really, you know, adjust the situation well. Um, but is that because of messaging and and the optics, or is or was that their plan? And we just like Chuck used the word stabilization, right? He he used that word. He used aggressive retool in that press conference on on yeah. free agency day. But he also used stabilization. As soon as I heard it, I wrote it down and I said. God damn it. That's the word. That was the message. This should be a year of stabilization. A new coach in torts. Let's see what we got in some of these guys. Let's see what Owen Tippett is. Let's see what Morgan Frost is. Let's see what Tra Travis Konechny is and should be. Same with Proveroff. If that was the messaging all along, would it be different in how you feel? I'm pushing you today, damn it. No. I, I'm, <laughs> I, no I, I, I'm sorry. I don't buy it. Like, I... I, I can't see how anybody's going to care enough about this. About team. stabilization? Yeah, I mean, look, do they want to get the locker room right? Yeah, and I think that Tortorella talks about that. You said it. You said it publicly a few times now. How there's a there's like a fractured fractured locker room, and he needs to kind of fix it. Um, it so it bothers me in a sense that you had a fractured locker room as the general manager allowed it to get that to that point, and have done nothing to replace it and fix it yourself. You're going to rely on the coach to come in and handle that. Like that's part of the problem for me. Like why did, well, why he did fire AV? Uh, come on. And that was a big, big issue. That's, but that's not, the, that's not where this stems from. How like, big of an issue was AV by the end, in your opinion? Me? Well, both, I guess. I, I think AV got to the point where he was just tired of things being the way they were and wanted to go back to the structure that he was used to and the schedule that he is used to. And he didn't cut, cut it well. And I think that when he started to, when he started to, uh, uh, you know, stop doing video practices, at, you know, in between games and um, stop calling guys into his office, it just seemed like he shut it down. And his that hands, was, he threw his hands up. Yeah. That was pretty much it. Um, when did that start in? I, I, I have a, a, time when I think he, I think he lost the team Bubble. and I think it was the Carter Hart criticism yeah yeah it wasn't sense. the bubble because it seemed like all this shit started hitting the fan in the bubble well it did a little bit but you know I think at that time we were believing that the fact that nobody was down there watching games was related to the pandemic yeah uh, we didn't think that it was because the team was deteriorating in front of our eyes um, and we need to get Lindy's, you know, get her shit back together 
Lindy, uh, I'm not Lindy, uh, some Lindy Snyder I was thinking about there for a second. And uh, it's not who I meant. Um, but uh, for the for the you know the Flyers to get their their ship back together, um, I, I no, they just didn't do it right. I mean, they didn't they didn't do it then. They fire the coach. They didn't do it in the season after. We you know Chuck kind of throws his hands up in that like last off season. They kind of thought they can get by without replacing Niskanen, and that goes by the boards. And then this happens. And, yeah, but, and then, but last off season was incredibly aggressive. Well, so it was certainly more aggressive than this year. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But nothing worked. Like, what worked for last offseason? Not that well, it cost them anything, but what really worked? I, I'm, I'm sounding like a honk for the team right now, and obviously I work for the team, but, I mean, injuries <laughs> are a factor. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, mean, I was playing four games. Kind of fucked you. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say that they, like, they believe – uh, that the most of the moves and like you know not Nate Thompson notwithstanding, but I mean like Atkinson, Ryan Ellis, injury aside, Ristolainen, they feel like their bigger moves paid off and or would have worked if it wasn't for injuries. Which I mean I would agree. Like I think we're all in agreement here that Ristolainen did help okay. Travis Sandheim get to where he was. All right, let me stop. Still should have been traded. Let me, for a second, though, let me stop you for a second. You're right. Would they have been better? Yes. They were 40 points out of the last playoff spot. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. You're you're 100% right. An abysmal power play, penalty yeah, I mean, kill. So, I mean, yeah, would they could they have been better? Yeah, but would the fans have been happy if they finished 20 points out of the last no. playoff spot as opposed you're to 40? suck really suck. No, they, they would not have been they felt any better. So that's what I'm saying like, it, like, like all of this kind of coming together and it's and it's just a it's just a garbled mess. You know, I I, you know, we yep. see we, we see everything that's going on, you know, on Twitter, like back and forth between people and, and um, you know, people tied to the organization, people not tied to the organization and saying, well, you know, we can just just stick with this. Everything will be fine. No, we can't 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 do it. This is the first time I've ever seen the entire fan base together as one. Saying, no, we are not. We're, this is we're taking the stand. Like they're, you know, you got to get through us to get to get to the other to the next people behind us, right? I mean, no, we're standing up for one another on on this one. It's crazy to me. It's just I don't, I don't, I don't buy what they've done this off season. No, I'm, nobody I, does. I, I, know, nobody but I, does. I don't buy any of it. I don't buy any of it. I don't buy, I don't buy the stories that they're telling. I don't buy the players that they brought in. I don't buy the the approach that they're taking moving forward. Like I don't buy any of it. Okay, so I, what's I the think, solution? <laughs> like, like, you, like you, you, we you, love you, looking at it and going, okay, here's all the problems. What's the solution? Is it Chuck's you, job? Not just Chuck. Okay. What, so take yeah. me through that. I think you need to blow up the entire front Hockey office ops. of Warhees. Hockey operations. Yeah. Okay. I, so mean, that's I, I know you just, Danny. I know you just hired a coach, right? And I know you don't usually put a coach in that kind of, kind of spot. Yeah, where you know he's a new coach coming in, and then all of a sudden you blow up everybody around him. But I think Tortorella is the kind of coach, the one type of coach you can get away with that with, right? Yeah, like he he runs his own show, and he doesn't need you know he's those independent guys. of it in a way, right? Right, yeah. in a lot of ways. So like, I would blow I it all up, just replace everybody, get rid of the just get rid of everything from the past. Not that they necessarily did something wrong. Not that they Clearly they did. Were, I mean, if you're going to blow well, it up, but, they did something wrong. I know, I, but what I'm saying to you is it's not like, you know, I, I, you know, I include somebody like Danny in there, right, who's, who's only really been on the job for a year. 
you know, like, but Danny could maybe eventually one day come back. But I think that you need to show the fans that this is, this was unacceptable, that this path that they chose was completely and utterly unacceptable. And, and that has to, and, and everybody has to feel that pain. Right. Everybody has to, everybody there has to be accountability for what has taken place. Right. And there's only one true accountability in sports. It's not a reprimand. It's your job. I mean, look, you're always hired to be fired in pro sports. It's the right. way it is. Right. Uh, so, which leads me to the next thing, because and you mentioned to her already, Lindy Snyder. Snyder. Yeah. And, and I read through her thread the other day. Yeah. Which is what I wanted to get into. And then I, I don't know, my brain went that path i don't know what happened there well i mean the but thing I, was, I appreciate i'm glad you're bringing it up yeah i mean i think it was really interesting because you know a lot of people looked at it and i saw some comments on it that oh the flyers pr machine is out and blah 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 and i don't know what her involvement is i don't know what she's alluding so, to that's coming yeah so here's she's the asking thing. people to be patient like what's what is this all about Anne? So, so here's all i can kind of piece together with this and i and this is this, again this is this is more speculative than anything, okay? But, you know, there's a little bit of, of background info that I have here. But, um, you know, there was a real, you know, you guys know there was a real disconnect between the business side and 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 the fan base and even a little bit with the hockey ops department. Um, and, you know, we, we were pretty adamant about calling them out for a while. And then, you know, a couple other places finally jumped on board and started doing it. And... You know, they decide, okay, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to resolve this? And if you remember, and I was told that, you know, that they believed that the, the, um, not recognizing Ed Snyder's birthday was the turning point for them in the, in the organization, at least on the business side. Yeah. And we weren't saying you absolutely had to recognize his birthday. It was just kind of like, hey, if you're going to do this, then why not do that as well for 30 seconds on the screen? Just, remind everyone that it was the owner's date of the, the founder of the team's date of birth and do a little quick little thank you and then go by go about your business no one says a word but when when you don't do anything at all and then you get the snyder family reacting on twitter and it wasn't lindy it was serena the other one one of ed's other daughters um then that kind of you know validates the, the validates the fan complaint right i mean that we've that we had so I think what's happened since is I think that the Flyers have made a real concerted effort and credit them. They really deserve credit for doing this because they couldn't keep going the way they were going. But they've made a concerted effort to like reconnect in certain uh, community aspects with the fan base. Um, they've tied themselves back in with Snyder Hockey. I, I know that you, you guys know that um, the Snyder Hockey Youth, Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation had an office at Wells Fargo Center. They were kicked out uh a few years back um and, and like that relationship is is being repaired they're donating money to it they're helping with with programming and stuff like that so they, so, so that's a you know those kinds of things are positive and and one of the other things that they've been doing is well they've been trying to tie um val you know val camillo has decided she's trying to tie you know in with the the snyder past and so she invited the snyder family to a game and she got real tight with lindy um, they became like pretty close. And so I think that kind of is where this comes from, too. It's like I think that, you know, Lindy listened in and they said, you know, hey, we made some mistakes. We want to correct them. We want to get this right. We believe in in this organization and and this team. And we want to and we want to help, you know, bring it back to its prominence. 
And then I think Lindy kind of got on board with that. And so that was what I thought her message was cryptic, Jay. I, I, I don't I don't know what exactly she was going for, but at the same time, I know why she was doing it because she's on board with this. We can get this fixed mentality and do it the old like it's the and old work way. together. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I'm reading through her timeline and I'm going, is she alluding that there's? I mean, I mean, my mind went crazy. I'm going, are they selling the team back to the night? Like what? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, was, I don't think that's the case, but no, no, it's not. Okay, so well, I mean, a that's lot of people would, look. Yeah, that's what I think. That's why I think she's chiming in now. Okay, that's just my opinion. I, I like I said, it's more speculative than anything. That, um, yeah, I mean, I did. Yeah, yeah I'll just leave it there. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I, I, mean, I had I had one thing because I, I've said numerous times that like I'm okay with the way that it played out this offseason in terms of just the end result not the way they got there because i think it did just reek of a lack of planning and incompetence but the way i'm looking at it is is that if they they do have a new guy in charge of hockey ops by let's say thanksgiving or christmas which i think is a very big possibility like isn't it better that you know chuck didn't you know clear the farm in terms of assets and didn't you know lock in another big time contract into a guy who's 35 years old but again like i just think that the way they got there was just so disastrous and really used up the the little bit of goodwill that you had left so i just asked both you guys is that because a lot of fans have been clamoring for like a rebuild or some like a quasi rebuild for a long time now, I would say, I would say six months. And people were actually upset when they were hearing the term aggressive retool, saying that it wasn't possible, which I would agree with. Do you think it would have made any difference if, let's say, from January on, instead of, let's say, beating the drum for aggressive rebuild, they would have been saying stabilization from the beginning and the exact same kind of thing would have played out, like, you know, aside from a move here and there? Go ahead, Ant. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that would have been a better. That would have been better communicate. Look, tra- transparency and honesty with the with the fans is always a plus at all times. So, yes, if they would have, you know, we we could sit here and argue semantics over the words that were actually chosen by these people, and we cling to them like they're like their gold, right? That's just because the word aggressive retool came out of their mouth. Like we have to cling to that and like it's gold. So, you know, I look at it and say, okay, that's what they said. They misled us with that. Big but time. They were still an opportunity. There was still a chance for Chuck Fletcher to come out and say something along the lines of, you know, six months or three months ago, four months ago, whatever it was, we thought we had an opportunity that lot that would line up for us to be more aggressive here in the off season. It didn't come to fruition. We didn't, it, you know, some, some of the things we needed to have happen didn't happen. Um, and so therefore what's best for this organization is to go forth in a manner that is much more, uh, that's a little bit more stoic. That is um, that stabilizes. You want to use that word stabilizes the, the, the uh, lineup, and gets ourselves on track so that we can really see what we have here this year. And then next year when we have, we see a boost in the salary cap, we'll probably be much more aggressive then um, when we have some more flexibility that we don't have this season. You say that in an answer, 
fans are still going to be pissed, but they're not going to be as pissed. They're not going to be as mad. Just be honest. And that's what, that's the thing that bothers me the most. It's like, I just ask for, I just ask for honesty. It's simple honesty. That's but you're not going to get that from wants. a general manager. You're not going to get I, transparency. You don't have to. You don't have to give me the specifics of the conversations that you're having about who you're trading for who. You don't have to do that. But you can be you can be honest about it from the one thousand foot view. You can do on a high level. You can look at it and say, we can you know we can be real with you here for a minute. We don't think that we would. It would be in our best interest to go and try and be a, a Stanley Cup contender this year. If it, if it happens with what we have, awesome, great, more power to us. But if it doesn't happen, that's okay because the approach that we're taking is for us to be better down the road and not better right now. I, I don't have a problem with them saying that. Do I agree with, with blowing everything up? No, I don't. I wouldn't Nor do, do that. I. Right? But at the same time, if you're – if if you ha- if you want to try and convey a good message to the fans, that's where you start, and that's where you get people to not be so agitated with you and want to fire you into the sun. Well, they certainly want to do that now. Let's wrap this up, Ann. I know you got a class to teach, mm-hmm. and Ant Demarco, great stuff. Uh, Anthony Marco's stuff on the fourth Anthony Sanfilippo's both Snow the goalie and uh, his written content on the Flyers and Phillies multifaceted multi-seasonal on crossingbroad.com guys thanks for doing this great stuff and uh as the world as sands fall through the hourglass these are the days of our flyers lives no kidding my friend (laughs) (laughs) thanks boys thanks there they are anthony sam filippo anthony demarco another great episode of bet parks presents stick to hockey live i don't even know what to think about this because I just got my wife just tried to call me, so I texted her back and said, "We're doing the podcast. What's up?" And she said, "Um, something happened." And I said, "What happened?" And she said, "You're going to be pissed." And I said, "Just," I said, "What is it? Just tell me, damn it!" And she said, "You need to come upstairs asap." And she said, "Well, it can wait till you're done." And I just said, just tell me what happened. Jesus, I have no idea. Uh, but let me tell you about Bet Parks because Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. And we love Bet Parks. Download the app. Make sure you get it and uh, check it out. Open up an account. If you don't have one, if you do have one, here's the good news. You can get all your betting action in very simply in a multitude of ways. Same game parlays, player performances, you name it. It's all there for you. Props, parlays, teases, futures, you exact score, first to score, runs in a game, strikeouts, you name it. It's all there and easy to use and New and existing users, use the promo code JASON750, J-A-S-O-N-750. That'll get you a risk-free bet up to $750. $750. Terms and conditions do apply. Again, new and existing users, use the promo code JASON750. Football is not that far away. They're going to training camp here real soon. You got college and pro season on the way. Hockey, not that far off. Hoops, college and pro, not that far off. So grab the Bet Parks app. You're going to absolutely love it. Easy to win, easy to navigate, faster to win than ever before. Uh, you do need to be present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be back next week. we got another edition of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. In the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. 
Leave us a rating and review as well. That'll help other hockey fans find this podcast. Thanks to the Anthonys, Sam Filippo, and DeMarco. And we'll talk to you next time on a brand new episode of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Have a great day, everybody. Generals gathered in their masses, just like witches at black masses. Evil minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning, as the war machine keeps turning, death and hatred to mankind.